So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. Hey, PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Here we go. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello, bookshelvers. If you can hear a sort of slurpy sound, um, <laughs> what I'm what I'm looking at right now is Nat moisturising herself. Yeah, it's very look in this weather as well. It's important to keep your skin nice and hydrated. Yeah, and I my arms are awful at the moment because I've been gardening and it's just like scars everywhere. So I'm trying to. Look presentable. Natalie's injury Um, But I'm sorry, I'm multitasking, just, aren't I? Just to give a little insight, um, I've I've watched Nat garden before, and it's like nothing <laughs> I've ever seen. She like she'll she'll just plow through through like brambles and stuff, like yeah. with a t-shirt and shorts on, seemingly yeah. you know no no pain, you know, very high pain threshold. Let's put it that way. She'll just wander well, I'm through. I'm a woman. I reckon I'm she'd walk headfirst into a strimmer, I reckon. I just, I, yeah. Well, I did actually, I bought myself a new strimmer, um, a G-Tech one. It's really cool. Uh, but I cut through the network cable. Um, oh, God. Literally, we, immediately. Wow. Uh, I'd been doing it for five seconds. So Jay, Jay was not impressed with my gardening that day. But I fixed it. Oh, okay. Well, there you so go. Now if, if you're I'm, break, a, yeah. now I'm a network engineer as well. Skills. Uh, skills. Put it on yeah. your resume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Add it to the list of Natty 10 jobs. So we're back. We're back again. Um, we are. Quick succession. Um, uh, God almighty, I am excited again this week for another very, very special guest. Um, I won't spoil her away um, just yet. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but uh, what's been going on in your world, Nat? Um, at gardening, 
cut through the network cable. Um, and I do have a dog bed story if you would like me to share it with you. Oh, I love a dog bed story. We need it. We need yeah. a jingle for a dog bed story, don't we? Because there, there yeah. are, turns out you have a few. I have a few. I could probably come up with a new dog bed story every <laughs> time we meet. Um, I'll see. So you. I got these um, big, like giant beanbag things, outdoor beanbag things for the garden. Um, and I just throw a fleece over them and all the dogs could fit on one of them, which is great. All the dogs? All the dog. Well, not Drax. I was going to say. Drax would have it to himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but everybody else. And um, so I can put it next to me when I'm working and everybody's happy. Um, but anyway, I was making everybody their breakfast this morning and Bob was not next to me, which is where she usually is. And then I looked out in the garden and she had started digging on the giant beanbag and ripped it. And there oh. were polystyrene balls everywhere. Oh, my God. And obviously she's gone all static because, you know, how they stick to you. So mm. she's covered in them. The <laughs> garden's covered in them. And I'm basically, I'm now at a point where I need to hoover my garden. Oh, no. They're still there, are they? Still yeah. well. I bet you'll be I picked, finding them for the next 20 years. Yeah, I picked out as much as I could. Um, and, yeah. So it turns out that beanbags and bearded collie puppies are not a good mix. So, yeah, I mean, we've had the streaming disaster um, yeah. and now we've had, through no fault of your own, the beanbag, the great beanbag disaster of 2023. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what else is going to happen? I, I just don't know. Don't I'm climb just... any steep stairs or go up any ladders or anything. For a... Well, I, I do need to trim the apple tree and I'd, that involves... I'd leave it I'd leave it well alone, mate, if I Yeah, I, I just think... Mm, well, I'm 40 <laughs> next week, aren't I? So... You know, I've got to get that milestone at least. Yeah, it's all downhill so. from there. So any 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 loss of limbs or anything like that is acceptable after forty. <laughs> before forty, you got to be careful. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm forty five, and I'm uh, I've made it uh, made it this far without any big injuries. Did break my you've ribs. Just, you've just jinxed yourself completely there. I wouldn't have told my breaky, but I, I, fe- I on a dog walk, I fell over the most pathetic little mound and broke my ribs on Boxing Day. Everyone. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about that. And it we? was, it was, oh god, it was so. I made, I made a noise I never knew I could make when I hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, I wish I, I and, wish I'd been there. And um, and <laughs> my little Bessie, my little Jack Russell Penny, came running straight back and was. Like licking my face. It wasn't helping because I couldn't catch my breath. And she's trying no. to, she has a thing of trying to get her tongue in, like in your mouth, like sometimes. Um, yeah, fish, fish does. Which that. is disconcerting at the best of times, let alone when you're trying to catch your breath and in, in agony. I was oh, covered from head to toe in mud. And then I, and then I was in shock. And then I got up and I, and I just wanted to carry the walk on. And all I was really worried about is if I, if I jump, bump into another walker, what they'll think of me, just covered head yeah. to toe in mud. So I run Corin like, oh Corin, I fell over. Uh, I really hurt my ribs. I think I might have broken. Like I turned the video on and showed her. She's like, Yeah, you need to come home. Like now I was yeah. like, Oh, I'm just gonna finish the dog walk. Oh no. I tell you, abort, I have sympathy abort. for anyone who has ever broken their ribs. I've got through life without breaking many bones. A couple of bones in my hand I've broken. I've broken my nose a few times. It sounds like I'm a boxer. 
None of those were <laughs> none of those were fighting related injuries. I can I can assure you, they're all from stupid falls or falling off bikes or whatever. Um, but yeah, oh, 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 and and I then d- the worst thing about it, Nat, the worst thing about it was if you sneezed. So it was, it was okay. The, oh, the pain yeah. kind of went away, but oh, and it was in, it was in winter, so colds were going around, and everyone was getting a really bad cold, and I was petrified. So I had every now and again I would sneeze. Oh my, oh be Jesus. Oh, Jesus, it was not good. It was not good. I had a trip to hospital with my friend, uh, Melly, as well, actually. She, and it was horrible because she fell down the stairs and she, her shoulder dislocated. Ah. Yeah. So I went round there to help and, oh, okay, it just, you describing how painful it was with your ribs just reminds me of her. But bearing in mind, she's given birth to two children. Uh, but I've never seen her in so much pain. She was like, every time she breathed, it was like, <gasps> oh. and we had to try and get her up and out. Oh God, it was horrible. So yeah, anyone that that's limb has popped out of a socket or bone has broken, we're we, thinking of you. We salute you. Here, yeah, we salute here on Barks from the bookshelf. Yeah, <laughs> goes to show there, doesn't it? You talk about like because obviously I've been around dogs that have broken legs and things like that, and they they don't make. That threshold for pain that they must have. I mean, obviously yeah. they you know, you you'll get vocalizations, but nothing like nothing like what I would make, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that don't know what that says about me. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. Corin, I think I've broken the ring. I just love that. Uh, I've said over. <laughs> I've done it again. Anyway, um, so um, shall we talk about who we will be talking to today? Because I am thrilled. You know, I like to write, I like to prep for these things and I like to write questions. I think I've written the longest list of questions that I've ever written for this Really, I never get get to ask them all, ever. I've accepted this now because it would take four hours to ask all the (laughs) questions that I've got today. So I have to sort of like... I have to think on my feet and and like and see which ones will sort of work out and the way that the conversation is going um, and obviously uh, allow you to talk at some point. As well. <laughs> well, I'm fine. You know, you you go for it, mate. I worry that um, I talk too much. I know I talk too much. So just you go for it. You ask all those questions. Talk and more. I'll just be talk here more. Stream less. That's that yeah, should be I'm, a t-shirt. I'll, I'll just do the odd. Um, uh huh. Yes, I no, agree. No, of course we want your input, Nat, but I get carried <laughs> away. I know I do. So apologies in advance if I if Don't be silly. if the patriarchy takes over the <laughs> the questioning. Um so we are going to be talking to the wonderful Sindor Pangel. Um I I I've read I mean this is normally a book and we're not we're not going to go too far into the book and I think that's right because um, the book is wonderful. It is awesome. Um, it's gone straight straight in in my top ten dog books. Um, interestingly enough, so Sindor's book is called um, Dog Knows. Dog Knows. Uh, and um, if if you look up the cover of it, it's a black cover of a dog's face on it. Dog Knows. Great cover. Um, if you remember back, bookshelvers, we also interviewed Cat Warren whose mm-hmm. book is called What the Dog Knows. Very similar cover, okay? Mm-hmm. Both books, couldn't they're completely different topics, and both of them are amazing. But there are striking similarities because 
the book's written in a way that it's it's a it's a it's Sindor's journey from you know um he's an engineer i think um uh started out as an engineer so Sindor's journey from that sort of starting point going through and becoming the you know global expert that she mm -hmm. is now um on free roaming dog streeties as um as they're so affectionately called i love i love the term streeties it's so cool yeah um, and and it's a, a very human tale of of how you know how how you start thinking you know a little bit about dogs and then very quickly your foundations are shook to the floor uh and meeting people that help you on your journey uh the dogs in her life um and people in her life that have shaped it and so so that story runs all the way through the book and then there's these little peppered bits of science throughout it um so little sections it's just a great read if no if you haven't read it yet go and get it i read it on holiday in norfolk last year I think I smashed through it in three days. And um, as I've said before, um, I read in a dribbling state now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, I've listened to other uh, interviews with Sindor. Um, there's some amazing points that Sindor brings up that really get you thinking, really get you thinking about um, the ethology of dogs, what training should should be when we should train should we train you know um mm -hmm. all of these questions and i like being asked i like difficult questions going around in my head I, li I like that feeling of being slightly out of your comfort zone um and being challenged i'm waffling now aren't i but uh, you can no, tell how much i love that book um yeah. absolutely blooming awesome so to speak to sindor is uh, a dream come true and sindor is also going to be at dog x this year Yay! isn't she Yes, not in person. No, unfortunately. Um... Because we couldn't make the dates work. Mm -hmm. But uh, she's still a very much valued uh, member of the lineup, the speaker lineup. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. That's so good. So good. If you ain't got your ticket good. yet, what are you waiting for? Yeah. I don't know when this is going out. We've, our early bird thing ends at the end of May. I'm not sure if this will go out before just slightly after that so sorry if you Still missed plenty it. of time though well there might be it might be sold out by now yeah it might be sold out Who knows? Snooze, Have a look. Lose. but it's gonna be yeah. it's in person um it's in winchester um at winchester university um we've got a fun 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 pack day of amazing speakers go onto our pack website and, and look for the dog x tab on there um mm -hmm. and you can find out more or on our facebook page there's loads on the packed facebook page there's loads of that Loads of things going on about there and announcements of people. Oh, my God. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It is. It's going to be great. Um, so. Have... Shall I? I've, I've got a, a, like, formal official bio thing. Oh. Shall I do my, re my reading bit? Sindor facts. You have wax lyrical about her. So I think, it, you know, um, we, we've, we've said how much we like her. But let's do let's do the, the drier bit, shall we? Okay. I'll put my... Um, my best reading voice song. Sindor <laughs> is a canine behaviour consultant, a canine myotherapist, and an engineer by qualification. She's the TEDx speaker, the author of the book Dog Knows, and an independent ethology researcher studying the free living dogs in India. Her studies have been published by the AAA, IAABC and PPG blog in the US, were presented at the PDTE Summit in the UK and were mentioned in the book 
Canine Confidential by friend of the podcast, Dr. Mark Beckoff. Hey! She also has a mention in a National, National Geographic bookazine. What's a bookazine? I'm going to go for cross between book and magazine. Yeah. Bookazine. I like that. I love a good word smash. I do. Um, called The Genius of Dogs. Why, got, why have I not got that in my life? I need to look at, look <laughs> at that. Um, she's currently pursuing her master's in anthrozoology from Exeter University oh. and is the principal and director of Barks. Um, if you haven't heard of Barks, please look them up. This is me talking now, not reading. So it's B-H-A-R-C-S. So Barks offers a one-of-a-kind UK-accredited Level 4 diploma on canine behaviour and ethology and boasts of students from all parts of India and across the globe. Yeah, pretty pretty special. Yeah, so a few, I mean, we'll we'll put some links in the notes, but... um, uh, barks.com so b-h-a-r-c-s.com um there's also a project the lives of streeties which is lives of streeties.com fabulous so um before i burst with excitement <laughs> shall we <laughs> yeah shall we just go for it shall we shall let's, we... let's go and see how much of a fangirl Stephen goodall can be oh it'll, it's gonna be embarrassing <laughs> isn't it? it always is okay Ain't it just like the night to play tricks when you're trying to be so quiet? We sit here stranded. I think I'll Hi. Can you hear us all right? Yes. Good. I can hear you. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't spoken yet. Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fed up with the sound of his voice by the end of it. <laughs> Oh, we've just done a, a little intro. Um, so we've recorded a little intro for the podcast, and I did spend about, well, a good, I think, a good ten minutes gushing over your book because um, it's one of my absolute <laughs> favouritest books in the world. I really, really love it. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank no, you so much. So, are you are you um, at your farm? Are you? Yes. Yeah, I live here now. Fabulous, fabulous. I um and you've got I, I've read or heard that you've got all sorts of uh, animals going around there, peacocks and mongoose oh, really? and snakes wow. and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's not that I have them. <laughs> they, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're just around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a fairly uh, rich biodiverse uh, place, so we have lots of uh, very typical. South Indian uh, flora and fauna. So we have, a, you know, a, the group of peacocks somewhere around here. I haven't seen them yet, but it's uh, my friend has with the, uh, uh, she has one of those drone cameras and it's just oh, yeah. stunning when they decide to dance. It's just something else. <laughs> wow. They, they make the most amazing noises, peacocks. Just incredible. They do. They can be 
quite loud and noisy. Yeah. <laughs> they sound very annoyed. Well, yeah, I, I don't have to live by them in fairness. So yeah, I can imagine I can imagine it gets a bit much. <laughs> yes, and uh, and if they decide to visit my house, so one of the things my architect was very worried about is she said, Well, if they start visiting your house and start sitting on your roof, then your roof tiles will start falling because they're very large birds mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so she said we have to plan the roof in a way where <laughs> that is accounted for so, a, yeah. a peacock friendly roof that's yeah <laughs> that's yeah good. did i did i also hear that you have managed to incorporate into the plaster of your house dog hair yes wow. yes uh, one one of the plasters that we have tried uh, has dog hair in it we need fiber and there's um, we have a very, very aggressive termites around here, which will munch on plant plant fiber. So uh, we I thought we'll try um, animal fiber and we've done dog hair. We did try using it in the bricks that we were making, but a dog hair is too fine. It didn't work for the bricks, but for the plaster, it works quite well. So we've done a little hut over there with dog hair. I'm going to try the same thing inside my house once it's ready. That's cool. Very cool. Wow. How invented? Because you started um, <clears throat> as an engineer, but was, was that before you got into dog dogs? Yes, <laughs> I graduated as an engineer, so I started working in two thousand two with a company called Yahoo, <laughs> uh, working as a, a, a engineer out there, and uh, yeah, and then one thing led to another. Fabulous! I've done the thing where I, I do this all the time, by the way, where I pressed record already, so we're. We're having a, a a soft entrance into the into the um, interview, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. But sure. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, but I don't know what your names. Ah, so I'm Steve. I'm, I'm Nat. I should have done. I, you know what? I always send or I always forget to put my name yeah, on this blooming thing. Because you've always sent me an email from your packed ID, so I just yeah. know, you know, that there's a packed meeting, but I don't know who so, I was talking um, to. There we packed. go. So we run Pact. Um, we're two married couples. So I'm not married to Steve. He's married <laughs> to Corin, who I know you've been emailing. And then right. my husband is called uh, Jay, and he he works in kind of sustainability, um, but then dips in and out of the Pact stuff. So yeah. that's us. That's Team Pact. So sorry for being a uh, kind of under a sort of hidden yeah. cloak. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. okay. We don't always remember these things so yeah yeah but I, i'm sure your husband might find my project very interesting because we have a it's a very it's an extremely sustainable kind of form of architecture we're building with mud and I, i've not bought mud from anywhere i'm still using the mud that i dug up from my site um and local labor uh, for you know uh community building and things like that he that would be right up yeah. the street well all of us really we've we've just um packed has just got a b corp uh, accreditation I don't know if you you've heard of that so we're very much environmentally minded and doing all we can to minimize our impact um, on the climate and the environment so yeah, yeah that's wonderful <laughs> so um, I've got loads and loads and loads, loads and loads of questions that I'd like to ask which I will never get to all of them I know um, and you're very kind giving us some time today but the first thing I mean our, our little podcast we devised the idea um, so that we could talk about books that we love um, in the dog training world uh, or in the dog world, um, books that have helped us in our career, books that have inspired us. Um, and your book definitely falls into that category. I read it um, when I was on holiday in Norfolk, um, which is on the east coast of the UK. 
last year. And I think I was saying to Nat earlier, I think I got through it in about three days. It was um, really, really good. Really, really wonderful. Um, and, and what I really liked about it and what I think makes it stand out from a lot of the other dog books out there is the fact that it's it's a story. So it's it's your journey, you know, from from right from the beginning, right up to where you are now. Um, and it's got these little bits of science peppered through as well. These little gray boxes that, you know, introduce you to all these different concepts. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about first off. It's quite funny, the book, because I, I don't know if it's intended to be funny, but, um, the, you know, I think we've all been through this where we where we start and we we know a little bit, don't we? Or we think we know a little bit about stuff. And then very quickly, you realize you don't know anything about anything. And you're like, oh, your foundations are shaken to the core and you're and you're <laughs> questioning your life choices. Um, and I, that, I mean, the way you write about that is really, really good. And I think it rings true with nearly anyone that's got into the world of dogs I think um so was that fun writing that part or, or was it distressing still you know to go back over it <laughs> I think it's uh, uh I, I think one of the things I'm I'm happy about myself is that when I look back on my past and uh the mistakes I've made I think I have a sense of humor about it mm. <laughs> um and and that's um that also makes it very easy to learn and grow because you know I I, I don't I don't beat myself up a lot. I, well, I do uh, adequately. I beat myself <laughs> up as much as I should, but I can also laugh at myself. And I think um, uh, that that kind of comes through in the book as well. Um, and I think my husband, uh, my late husband, also had a big role to play in it because he had a wicked sense of humor, absolutely wicked sense of humor, and he and I bonded over our humor. I think. Um, the very first thing I remember about people when you know my family asked me what do you like about him it was we can laugh yeah he he gets me I'm able to make him laugh and he makes me laugh and I think laughter was such a big uh, part of <clears throat> our lives together and um, I think he also brought a lot of laughter into the way we dealt with Nishi uh, our dog at that time and and I know this is very controversial to talk about in, um, you know, a sense of humor with animals. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of cognitive ethologists who are kind of heading in that direction. And having spent my time with Nishi, I feel very confident that dogs definitely have a sense of humor. And I think she did, too. Um, she was funny. She found things funny. Um And I think all of that also kind of comes through. I think uh, it's almost like this the you know it is the second half of my life the first half of my life was spent with you know being nurtured by my parents but the second half was my husband and Nishi and you know they were they were part of it and I think laughter um and not just laughter sort of you know all the the darks kind humor you know or uh, the 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 funny but not so funny ironical parts of life all of that I think took center stage and how we lived and expressed ourselves. So I think that's kind of coming through in the book. And that's probably what uh, uh, appeals to people because I think it also helps you laugh at yourself a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the industry does have a tendency to take itself a little bit too seriously sometimes. And, you know, there are there are times and places where that is needed. But um, I'm... I'm with you. I definitely see my dogs being cheeky and, you know, if they could laugh, they would. And actually one of my favorite, 
funny dog moments was with Stephen Corrin's uh, terrier, Penny. So I was looking after her and I was doing the gates at my field. So I just left her in the front of my van in the cab while I was just faffing around. Um, anyway, she's barking at me to hurry up. And she barked um, and by accident pressed the horn on the steering wheel. And the look on her face, she was over the moon that she managed to make an even louder noise than a, than a Jack Russell barking. <laughs> And so then she she just continued to go bark 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 <laughs> honking the horn and it was brilliant and I completely reinforced it because it was hilarious. Um, so. <laughs> and why not? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> one of the things that I one of the you're great at describing things in the book. And again, anyone who's not read this book needs to go out um, and get dog mm-hmm. Um Hundred percent. But um, one of the things you describe um, really well is dogs dancing. Um, uh, there's, there's a brilliant, um, I can't remember the name of the dog. Um, Crow, uh, is it Crowley or Cowley? Is the, Crowley, yeah. And the other dog was Kermit? Yeah. Yeah, Kermit and Crowley. Yeah, so Kermit is the female dog and, and yep. Crowley's come into the scene and and she's yes. taking a liking, should we say, taking a liking yeah. to, to uh, Cowley and yeah, and the the way you describe that in the book is a beautiful little passage about talking about body language, but you describe it as dancing. Um, and I love that description um, because it's some, sometimes we see dogs do something different, don't we, to to just, I mean, if you're looking at it from a, maybe a, a very bland scientific point of view, you might point out that these sort of behaviours are uh, appeasement gestures or some, something along those lines, but... Yeah, that that little passage and uh, you know the way you managed to describe it is so nice. I love the I love the fact that there might be some there's something else going on there, you know, other than just this this yeah. bland science. Yeah, uh, and I think um, it's uh, you know and there are so many layers to that. The one aspect of it is the emotional aspect of it, which is, um, and here again I see people trying to really get very very reductionist about animal behavior, and I think that partly comes from sort of our desire for, you know, uh, reducing them to machines, you know, this um, automatons kind of, and it's so entrenched in us that it's so hard for us to get past that. Uh, And so any, and the second we start talking about animals, animal emotions, animal behaviors as anything a bit more complicated, I can see people kind of getting very upset about it because I, I think we feel like we're losing control. If we start talking about messy emotions, if we start talking about complicated layered emotions, then how is your, uh, you know, positive training, step one, step two, step three, operationalize this and that, how is that going to work uh, uh, when you when you layer all that in? And so I think that, is, that scares people a lot. And so, but uh, <clears throat> my call to people is, we don't have to be scared because emotions is not alien to us. We mm-hmm. deal with it on a day-to-day basis. We may mess up, but we still are extremely social beings. We still somehow manage to work ourselves around the emotions of very complicated people in our lives. And so if we let that in, we give room to that, then something beautiful starts emerging. We start seeing amazing things happen. So Crowley and Kermit's story was very interesting for me because this was the first time I had started actually trying to observe and 
coming from uh, an engineering background, a mathematical background, just getting into the dog world. I went in there with pen and paper and I said, hey, I'm going to note down things. And the pen, the paper, all the ideas just went out of the window or went to the dogs, <laughs> however you want to look at it, because nothing, they were not... They were not complying. They were not fitting into any box. They were just all over the place with it. Were they friends with each other? A lot of people ask me, is your dog dog friendly? And I'm like, to which dog? Yeah. <laughs> she is friendly to the dog she wants to be friendly with on a certain day. And Kermit was interesting because she was very friendly with Crowley for a while. And then things changed. She was upset with him. Uh, and she also realized that I was willing to be her ally so she was trying to use me in her battle with this guy and uh, and and that's that's another very interesting thing again it upsets people if you think of us being instruments in their social um sort of saga but they they do use us um uh, and not in a bad way but you know um they kind of it is collaborative and when you think of something like a dance it's a dance we all do together it's we, we all have our place in it and we're all moving and I think that was very interesting from uh, their emotional and social aspect but even when it comes to just signals and movements um, I do have a video that I use a lot in my uh, 101 classes and it's a stunning video of it's I think it's a five five or eight minute long video that I have had to compress where Chiru is trying to kind of impress this other dog who was just not interested in her. And I, uh, a lot of students who study appeasement behaviors, coming signals, so on and so forth, come with a very, okay, you know, I see this signal, this is what it tries to mean, this one-on-one -on -one mapping. And I ask them to just count, don't even interpret, just count the number of signals. And Chiru is just like, you know, flurry of signals, maybe about 60, 70 of those in that video. And it's really interesting to watch her. And somebody watched that the first time I shot it and brought it, somebody said, you know, it looks like uh, it's a little ballet that she's performing. She's on her tiptoes. Um, and when you compare Nishi and Chiru, I remember somebody telling me Nishi looks like uh you know, she's in a pair of sneakers, you know, <laughs> running around. And she had these white paws, you know, boxer with big white paws. So in a pair of sneakers, but Chiru looks like she's in stilettos. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she's so gentle and dainty with what she does. So there's, there is that aspect of it. And then the last aspect that I've, I've been thinking about for a while now, I've been kind of making these reels with dog videos. And I see that their movements are also especially when they play, the movements are quite lyrical. So if you try to slap a song onto them, very frequently you will see that you can hit those notes. They're very, there is something very lyrical about it. And I know that uh, I think last year uh, or the year before, there was a study done with the by the dog lab uh, in India, Dr. Badra's lab, that tried to see if there are patterns that you can see uh, in dog behavior. Uh, and they did find some power law patterns there, but, uh, you know, they didn't take it very far. But I'm very tempted to reach out to them and say, look for patterns in their movement, especially play, because I think there's something musical, something lyrical out there. Now, now I'm going really far with what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but you see, we must be curious about these things. Yeah. What's the point otherwise? And yeah. also, uh, the, the reason why that really makes sense to me like a, like a study like that is 
you're you're studying what they are doing what you know what how they are in their what what they do as a dog um whereas so many studies are like are based on how they interact with us as humans you know like gesture type studies and things along those lines and there's not a massive amount i mean there's more now but there's not a massive amount out there that that where the studies are based on i can't really put it into words i don't know if you know what i mean but the the uh, you know the i the idea of how a dog is in their in their natural environment in the environment that they are like how a dog is how they move how they you know how they interact it's it's funny actually yeah. Chirid um Chirid Rugas who you um who was your mentor I think fair to say maybe yeah. at the beginning was the first ever guest on our podcast we reached yeah. out to her and we were blown away that that um she said yes and she came on um and obviously Chirid calming signals you know um ethological approach to dog training um is huge and i i thought it's really good another quite amusing part i think i think you were put through the ringer a little bit sindor when you when you went when you went over there and you know everyone was kind of like no don't teach you know don't teach dog to sit you know don't do the you know, you're like, oh my god i can't do anything it must there's a very funny story again i don't know i don't know how funny it's intended to be but um where you go to you go to Turid's house, which amazing, by the way, um, and you're yeah. sat on the on the porch, I, I believe, with her and her dog, and then suddenly they both just get up and walk off, leaving you there, and you're sort of sat there thinking, "What's going on?" And uh, yeah, could you could you tell us that story? Because I I, yeah. I, I, I laughed out loud when I when I when I yeah. heard that. And I think it was one of those stories that made me realize um, that I was not here to study another training method it was something else that was going on and I had to figure this out so we were sitting out there and Turid uh, uh, being you know Turid she's 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 uh, quite reticent you know she she's, she doesn't talk a lot so um, we were having a, you know ex exchanging limited words <laughs> and then at some point she just gets up and she walks in and I'm just Left there wondering, okay, is she coming back? Is she not? Do I get up and walk in? Do I not? And then I sat there for a while. And then finally I walked in and I said, what happened? And she said, oh, yeah, there was a bear or a wolverine or something out there. And I said, what? I don't know where to start, but how do you know this? And why did you leave me there with her? <laughs> Oh, uh, so I, I said, it. how did you know it? And she said, Kenzie told me. Kenzie was a dog. And she said, Kenzie told me. Didn't you see it? And, and then, uh, you know, I had to let the shock wear off a little bit that I was left there with the bear or wolverine <laughs> or whatever. I, I understand her, her need for reticence around it because I think uh, this animal that was there was also being hunted by the government. And obviously, she didn't she didn't feel comfortable with it. So she just her way of dealing with it was just not talking about it yeah. mm -hmm. uh, though she had heard reports of that animal being sighted in that area just when she got there her daughter called and told her so I think she had reason to believe that this animal was there um, how did Kenzie tell her this I don't know I didn't have the eye to see it then now if I saw it I would know clearly yeah. now I know what I need to be looking for but that I think uh, of course after the shock wore off and after I uh, I had to calm myself down and say, okay, you're alive, so it's okay. This is just an experience to learn from it. Uh, that, that's when I realized that, okay, um, 
I'm really not here to learn some kind of a training method. It's not. And it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, right? Cognitive pathology is not as much about, it doesn't have to be limited to the lab and our curiosity doesn't have to be limited to how can we direct the animal? What can we teach the animal? What, you know, it can also be what is it that the animals do by themselves? What is it that, what is a dog capable of? What is, what does it mean to be a dog? What, uh, don't forget that 70 to 80% of the, you know, dogs in the world are free living animals. So it's not like they're all only getting by with the help of human beings who teach them this is the right and the wrong thing to do. They are getting by and they are flourishing. It's, you know, they they are managing their social structures. Uh, the only part they probably struggle with is human cruelty. Otherwise, amongst themselves, they're doing pretty well. They're also doing very, very well in terms of using, uh, communicating with humans to help humans uh, to get provisions for themselves mm, to get medical yeah. care for themselves we see dogs do that around here so there is a lot that they're capable of is a dog capable of telling another being around them hey i sense something follow me let's get out of yeah. here heck yeah mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. any social being should be able to do things like that should be able to particularly for those they care for kit and kin they should be able to do that we had this conclave as part of our, uh, you know, students meetup and somebody brought in a very interesting um, video. She said of a dog who calls another dog to say, hey, come with me. I got something to show you and, you know, take them back there. Uh, when I was when I just moved here onto this farm, I used to visit here once a week when I just bought this place, brought Chiru here and she made friends with this male dog out here. I call him dude i'm not very creative with their names so <laughs> like uh, she, yeah, and uh, she made friends with him and he and his family used to stay uh, in another house that was under construction you know another road away and they would come and visit whenever i came here with chiru and he once they befriended each other he seems seemed to tell her hey, come on, let me show you my house and he's trotting off she's trotting off with him he's taking her onto the other road so they, which of course I didn't like the idea. I wanted my dog to stay with me, <laughs> but but they're so good at saying, "Hey, come with me. I want to take you somewhere." Dogs are very good at doing this to each other, and if you see many dogs in India, street dogs in India, are very good at communicating that to other human beings. Um, it's just that human beings who are trying to train their dogs to do recall seem to be the only ones who fail in this endeavor <laughs> somehow. That's where we struggle. And, you know, it's just training protocol after training protocol. Something as simple as, hey, come with me. I sense danger or come with me. There's something interesting. Let's go check it out. Is so part of their vocabulary, so part of social, um, in, a part of the social interaction, a fairly big part of it. Uh, their social interaction are not specially limited to just what's happening here. They do say, come, let's go. That's there. Um, and I think it should kind of beg the question, why is that when we want to do what they already seem to do so well, why do we struggle so much? Are mm. we doing it the wrong way? I think so. I Yeah. 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 That's fascinating, isn't it? And you think about the idea of sort of... Um, behaviorism and ophology because they're kind of kind of i mean my limited very limited understanding of it but kind of 
grew up separately almost, which is a weird thing in itself. And then I know that there's been people trying to meld the two together. Um, but yeah, it, it, when you start to look at how some like absolutely masterful trainers um, use their body language um, to communicate to a dog without ever ever having to say anything. I mean, we all talk too much, don't we? I'm a, I'm a natterbox with my dogs. I can't help it. <laughs> I've tried so many times, but I, I just have little conversations with them. And I swear they're just looking at me going, shut up, mate, you know, half the time. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it, I think because we, this is my, my take on it. I'm not sure if you'd agree with it, but because we, it's easy to understand things like the quadrants and we can have it. And we talk about like literally putting things in boxes. Like it's really easy to understand that for us. We can get our head around that. Oh yeah. Positive reinforcement, you know, negative reinforcement, all of that. Um, but when we start looking at treating dogs in a more, for want of a better expression, ethological way, um and 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 bringing that into our toolkit when it comes to living with or living beside or around dogs i think we get a bit scared because i i think that 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 way has been around for years thousands thousands of years that's what we've been doing we've been living with dogs yeah that's 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 how most of our life has been but because it's kind of a little bit lost now it seems like this it feels like a fringe movement doesn't it like going back to that sort yeah. of thing and people are, I, I, well, I feel, at least myself, it is a bit scary because you're like, oh, oh, well, it's, it's a new thing. It's a new way. And it's and it seems like everyone's a Jedi, do you know what I mean? Who's doing this sort of <laughs> stuff, like walking around with like this knowledge that, you know, all, all you need to do is just turn your shoulder and your dog will move it, you know, and you're like, what? Um, I, it's a complicated issue. I'm not sure if there's a question there, Sindor, but, um, but it's just a feeling I have about, the, the two sort of camps and could they come together? What what do you feel? Um, <clears throat> so to me, a lot of behaviorism and, and I come from the computer world. So, you know, uh, it kind of makes sense, but it is very what we call mechanomorphic, right? It is a very Cartesian idea coming from Descartes. This is a machine and you train this machine and you have consequences for the output and um, you're kind of fine-tuning this machine. And if you look at artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's, a, you know, based on a very, very similar um, principle, um, which is, you know, there's an input, there's an output. If the output isn't what you want, go back and train it in. Um, and, and I think there is an extraordinary comfort in that because you see how simple it is, right? It's an extraordinary simplification of it. And as an engineer, this is what drew me to it in the first place. It, mm. it just, you know, I brought out all my Excel sheets and I was like, <laughs> I do this well. This is this is my wheelhouse. I do this well. I understand this really well. Um, and, and I think the, the challenge though in trying to be so reductionist about it is that which of us has not run into a kind of a frustration? We all have. And that's that's the reason why we are all looking all over the place for what else is out there. We look if if it works so well, you know, in theory, it is so simple that it should, mm. but it doesn't. Um, and so I think uh, and we have to ask ourselves, why is it not working? And 
so that's one part of the question. Why is it not working? What are we missing? And what is missing is the, these are sentient beings with free will, which means that, you know, 90% of the times they might do what a machine would do, give you a deterministic, predictable outcome. But that 10% is what makes them not a machine, which is they will completely go in a totally different direction, right? And is there reason for it? Can you trace back the reason for it? No. Um, if it were that simple and we are kind of an extension of that, we would be able to trace that back. Let's not forget that a lot of work that, you know, behaviorism work uh, that Skinner and Watson proposed, they were proposed for human beings. They were trying to understand the mind of the human beings. And the models were found lacking because of that 10% where we say, we just do random stuff that makes no sense to anybody, but we will do it anyways. Our emotion, our history, uh, our our mental state, a lot of other things drive it. And we haven't gotten a handle on, you know, forget understanding emotions of humankind. We haven't gotten a handle on understanding my single person's emotion. Why am I doing this today? If I ask myself that, why am I? today engaging in something that is maladaptive why am i doing something i know i should be doing this i know i should be eating this yeah. i know i should be getting this much sleep but i'm up watching tv till 1am with all the blue light in and i sit there and i'm like why am i doing this i don't know the answer we're kidding ourselves if we're going to think that we're going to figure it out for another living being who's who 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 is completely different. We we haven't shown enough curiosity about what is a dog for us to be able to fill in those gaps, right? So I think this, uh, it's not about coming together of the two fields as much as realizing that there is a significant problem if you're going to get reductionist about uh, how we are going to uh, think of the mental model that we have of the dog. And then I think the other aspect of it is um, why is it that this is this is the way we want to go? Uh, Chiru does something. Maybe I can get her to stop doing that with my four quadrants. Maybe I can get her to do what I want with the four quadrants. But is that necessarily good for her? Is that what she wants? Is that what's right for her in the long run? And again, without showing sufficient curiosity about what is a dog and having a good enough idea of the internal state of the dog, those are questions we are not going to be able to fully answer. Just as somebody can't come and get prescriptive about what is right for me. Only I can figure out what is right for me. And most times that isn't even an analyzed intellectual process. It's something that I feel through. It's something that I have to sense through and feel through. Most of us haven't cracked that. If mm -hmm. In fact, those are the Jedi's. The ones who have cracked that are the ones who, 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 who seem to have a better understanding of where they are at are the ones we go to as, you know, spiritual leaders or whatever it is. And we we admire them. If we could, we would stick them in an MRI machine, too. And I think we've done that, uh, trying to figure out how they seem to have so much uh, control, not control, but understanding of themselves. Now, when that is so hard, just imagine how hard it is for a dog. And so for me, I think. Uh, if we were to ask which direction one would want to go, I would say one of humility where we make peace with the idea that we don't know. It's okay. We don't know. There is no way to know 
what is necessarily right for her. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to get as much input from the dog as I can. And that's that's my big thing. When At Barks, when people come and ask me, hey, um, in fact, today I was answering somebody's question. They said, you know, should I be doing this or this? And I said, you know, at the end of the day, your dog knows. I am not the expert of your dog. You are not the expert of your dog. Your dog is the expert of your dog. And what I want to equip with you with is a the skill to be able to read a bit more of you know, how does my dog feel about this? Is this working for my dog? Is it, you know, helping or hurting my dog? You know, the trial and error be a set of different things that you can try out. And most importantly, humility to say that, you know, I will take the dog's input and value that over everything else. I think that is the mental shift. Once that happens, a lot of other things will come together. It isn't about behaviorism, ethology, or, you know, uh, ethnography, blah, blah, blah. It isn't about that. I think it is about that humility to say that they know better about themselves. And uh, and then, you know, what needs to come together will. Yeah. yeah. Drop mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Done. Pro- problem solved. I, it, I love the kind of... Um, the reframing that all of this discussion makes you think about because you know I try and avoid behavior problems because problems are only things that are problematic to us as humans usually they are uh, not a problem for the dog they're having a great time Um, but it's problematic for me as a human if my dog is going to dig up my garden for example um I don't care about things like that but you know the kind of things that people would come Mm-mm. to us with and I I just get so much joy out of watching dogs communicate that I think why do we need to know why as well I mean yes it'd be lovely but I'm sure if we all woke up with you know Dr Doolittle um voices we'd soon want to shut them up again because actually there's like there's wonder in not knowing isn't there and you know watching my little puppy try and get everybody to play like she does a lot of parading which is one of my favorite like doggy communication (laughs) behaviors where she's just all you know high heels you know (laughs) look what I've got look what I've got (laughs) and no one no one's interested and I just yeah (laughs) I I don't think we um we always need to know the answer um and I think if more people were able to sort of laugh relax watch observe um and just enjoy living with dogs then there'd probably be um a a lot less reaching for aversives and things like that you know in order to try and mold this square peg into a round hole yeah uh some i put up a video of uh, chiru playing with one of the free living dogs out here there's a new juvenile who's turned up here and she She's got juvenile energy, right? Juvenile animals, Turid would tell me, you know, teenager is a teenager, you know, no matter (laughs) what the species. And they're not dangerous, they're just teenagers. (laughs) So they bring in this insane, crazy energy. So so she's here uh, wanting to play with the rest of the gang who lives right up front. She has success some days, not so much on other days. Uh, And she's been trying to befriend Chiru. 
Chiro is not exactly a dog who likes young dog energy. She's a, you know, I'm a grumpy old lady. I mean, she's a senior dog, but uh, still, you know, she she has certain expectations that you have to be calm and collected. Mm-hmm. Except she seems to have a crush on a few dogs, in which case she turns into a juvenile. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 you know, there's all this complexity. And uh, and Lusu has been, the, the, the juvenile has been getting along pretty well with her in the last few days and they've been playing. Chiru has, uh, she runs and I keep looking at her saying, my God, you're not at the age where you should be running like this. I don't know how this is going to go, but she's doing well. So, you know, touch wood, she's doing well. Um, and I put up a video and somebody commented on it saying, that's not nice play. And it got me thinking, says who? Yeah. Says who? How do do you think it would be okay if I went to the peacock and said that's not nice dance? My textbook <laughs> yeah. says you yeah. should be doing this yeah. instead. You know, yeah. according to my textbook, that's not right. You should be doing it another way. Maybe it's not nice dance. Maybe he's not going to get all the females that he's trying to impress. But that's their world. Mm-hmm. That is the messiness of it. There isn't necessarily a fairy tale ending and a moral of the story kind of a thing. So, you know, I think, I don't know if Hollywood did us in on this or our, our fairy tales did us in on this. Why is it that, you know, we have this expectation that at the end of the day, everything is going to fold into a very nice, wonderful story. My dog is going to learn good manners and it's going to be good with everybody. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of friends. Maybe. My dog is not going to have a lot of friends. Chiru has not managed to make that many friends. Her play style isn't necessarily something that works with the dogs out here. And that brings me to a very interesting kind of a subtopic, which I've been kind of toying around with. The, the uh, she uh, Her style of play is a body slamming kind of style of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, boxers do that, right? Yeah. And her mentor was a boxer. So I yeah. can understand where <laughs> that came from. She learned from and the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's been uh, trying that with these dogs here. These guys are not body slamming kind of dogs. So they their style of play, and I call them the leg biters because their style of play is they bite each other's legs. I it just looks strange to me that they do that. They just go around in circles, biting each other's legs. And if they can't, they hold each other's tail and just yank them. <laughs> and none of that looks right to me, but that's what they do. And that's probably why she is not being accepted into their group because she, and again, very contentious, she has a different culture. Mm. They have a different culture. Mm. The dogs in the front and the dogs behind have different play styles. Um, so there, there is difference in how dogs interact with each other. There are uh, things lost in translation. There are cultural gaps. Uh, so from where did we get this idea that that is not a good play style? That's not nice play. What? According to a textbook that was written in the UK and you're going to or in the US and you're going to use that to tell me that free living dogs in India are not playing the right way? Yeah. What? Do you see the problem with the dogmatic approach? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're making me want to go and redo lots of things as I'm sort of sat here now thinking, oh, yeah, I need to, <laughs> 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 need to rethink, rethink, redo. Um, but then again, that's the, what, that's the beautiful thing, isn't it? That, that going kind of circling back to um, what it was like for you learning that being out of your comfort zone. I, I've learned to like that feeling. 
learn to be like, yeah. oh, something, something's incoming at some point. I might get it. I might not. It might take me months. I might pick it up straight away. But something is coming. Do you know what I mean? There's some, something, yeah. some sort of like maybe an epiphany moment. Who knows? But um, gosh, it's endlessly fascinating, isn't it? And when you speak to people that are passionate about it, it's just lovely to talk to people that are so passionate um, about observing dogs. Um, I love listening to Nat. Nat's wonderful talking about um, observing her dogs. And when she tells little stories like she did about little Bob there, it's all really, really fascinating. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I think the art of observing is not, doesn't come naturally either, does it? You have to... I think some maybe some people it comes naturally to, I don't know, but not for me. That art of trying to stop and watch. I think I think it was you yeah. now that was telling me like, you know, what to observe something is not necessarily to narrate what's going on either. It's a very it's a tricky subject, isn't it? I think I think it I think it comes naturally to me because of how I when I first started, I was working in wildlife conservation. So you're never mm. obviously you're affecting the the species by being there but you're not a part of the conversation so and and I think we go too far the other way with dogs sometimes and we're mm. kind of it'd be like someone constantly interrupting you and mm. it's like I just need to get my sentence out let me sniff this butt <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> um, so yeah I just I, I literally could sit and watch my dogs and and yeah there are questions like that I don't understand and probably never will like why why sometimes it's okay for my dogs to walk past Gru and give him a little lick or clean his ears this is my lurcher and other times he looks exactly the same to me but other times they'll do the side eye creepy around him because he's mm. obviously given them the the look of yeah. I'm not up for anything and to me I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm an untrained eye but I'm not a dog yeah so exactly it's their point of view and <clears throat> i don't think i was um when i was younger i did people did tell me that i was observant but i think <laughs> my education didn't help me i think you know when you become an engineer you like to look under the hood with the screwdriver in your hand let's <laughs> yeah, open it yeah, right like yeah, let's yeah, yeah. fix it so you go from an observer mode to an active mode and and I think that style of education, and I think this is largely to do with um, mathematics, science kind of education, also uh, uh, kind of moves you to a doer mode. You're appreciated more when you're a doer rather than a passive observer. Just the words, when you say it, you can see that there is kind of a, a, an, you know, an assumption there. There's, there's a quality to it, right? A passive observer. You're not doing anything. You're an active doer. Oh, yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. So I think I did... Uh, kind of train myself into being a very active doer kind of a thing and for many of us who also uh, deal with anxiety issues and things like that I and I think this kind of comes back to the art plus training and uh, operant conditioning and the need for it and behaviorism in general uh, uh, doing uh, kind of makes you feel like you're in control so it helps you get you know gives you the illusion of being uh, getting ahead of your anxiety getting ahead of your anxiety yeah. triggers. You know, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to, you know, do everything and then go out there and everything's going to work out great. Um, <clears throat> which, of course, <laughs> you know the famous last words, everything isn't <laughs> going to work out yeah. great, it just isn't. Um, but I think uh, one is my 
husband was a great observer. I, I don't know how, you know, his education didn't get to him the way it got to me. Um, he was a very calm person, great observer. He could sit and observe. Uh, just he would be sitting out there observing and I would go and ask him what you're up to. And he'd say, why has this aunt not realized that the rest of his gang is there and he is lost? <laughs> like he would just, you know, a 40-year-old man just fascinated why the aunt is not realizing that the gang is, you know, the rest of his group is there. So he, he was just amazing with that kind of observation. And I think that helped. Being introduced to Turid helped. And then I realized that this is what I needed to do. So I've been kind of actively training myself. Unlearning is hard. Yeah, it's right. so hard. It's very tempting to get in there and, you know, want to do something and to say, mm, mm, zip it, <laughs> don't utter a word, don't say anything, don't do anything, take a step back. I think things like trying to do structured documentation, photography, videography, um, those kind of things may help people uh, segue into getting be becoming better observers. For me, it has always been storytelling. So kind of, you know, go out there, see what happens, come back and try to tell their story. And often storytelling with reflexivity, with, you know, trying to understand not just what story I observed, but how did I feel during that process? What, How did I feel when I, you know, watched Chiro getting rejected by all the dogs there? It makes me feel terrible. You know, my dog, I don't want her to. But, you know, is it is it right for me to feel terrible? Have I been said uh, you know, been in a similar situation with my peer group, would I have appreciated it if my mother butted in and said, okay, you know, <laughs> this is what you should be <laughs> doing instead. Yeah. Uh, that too, as an adult, that too, you know, a senior dog. Um, I think when I sit and talk about these things in this way, so it's not just observation. I think observation with reflexivity, asking ourselves why we do things, um, Chiru hasn't been getting along very well with the dogs in front, uh, particularly Chaita and her daughters. And I was very upset about it. I was very upset that she, uh, one day she actually got into a little argument. No dog was hurt, but it was an argument. And I was very upset and I was telling my students about it. And one of them said, well, in all fairness, isn't this her house? And she doesn't want other dogs to move in here. Shouldn't she have the right to say who moves in and who doesn't move in? Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. You know, we should. I, I remember having a similar conversation with my husband when he was alive. He had friends that I didn't get along with. And I said, no, I don't want them in the house. I don't think thinking back, I don't think that was right what I was saying. But my husband was what a family member should be to me. He said, if you're not comfortable, they're not coming. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm hmm. He did that for me. That's what family does. So shouldn't yeah. I be extending the same thing to her to say, okay, if you're not comfortable, they're not coming. You're drawing a hard line. She's not saying no to all dogs. She just doesn't want those three. She doesn't want Chaita and her daughters. Her choice of dogs not working for me and therefore we haven't. <laughs> I know. So she keeps saying, oh, can we get this dog in? And I'm like, I don't think he wants to be a home dog. I don't think I want to bring him over. So <laughs> so we haven't reached an understanding on who's going to be the next dog coming in. But that's okay. We're working it out. But at least it made me realize that I didn't have to get upset with what uh, what happened. But it's very hard not to do something about it. In that moment, I wanted to step in and I wanted to say, gosh, I need to do something. I need to teach her manners. I need to teach her how to be kinder to Chaita. I need to blah, blah, blah. Uh, taking a step back from it, getting reflexive and talking about it, I think, um, helps with 
undoing that do 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 attitude <laughs> yeah yeah yes great advice great great advice i i think i mean i want to touch a little bit i know i'm conscious that we're running out of time and uh i feel like i need another 17 hours um <laughs> but um i want to talk a little bit about streeties um i i was really lucky when i was growing up my mum and dad uh took me and my sister to many many amazing countries and a lot of the countries we went to so we visited mexico venezuela uh, i've been to sri lanka never to india but my mum and dad have been to india many times um uh and they they've actually got a place in crete uh uh and all of these places have free free ranging dogs streeties i guess uh, as we call them and when i was a kid i used to get I, I had the same feeling that I used to get when I was watching nature documentaries. You know, when, when you're seeing the lion stalking the gazelle or whatever, and you're like, why are they not getting involved? Why would they, why would they let this gazelle get eaten? I didn't really understand it when I was a child. Yeah. And I was very young when I was going to these places. So when I was seeing, because we had a family dog, when I was seeing free roaming dogs, I was also a bit like, why have they not got a home? Why are they not living in, you know, in a house with people loving them and, and as I got older, obviously, I started to get there. Oh, OK, this is actually probably better, you know, and start to get that realization. And obviously there's risks involved. Um, but they they don't when we when you talk about sheets, the thing that I like when you talk about them is they don't fit into the boxes that people want to stick them in, do they? They, they don't want to like, you know, I, I've heard you talk about um, how we should refer to them in terms of wild dogs, feral dogs, you know, and why those things aren't aren't, yeah. aren't right. Um, and the nuance of their relationships and how they live alongside humans, because uh, some of them mm. will will be out all day, but then maybe go go to a house in the evening. And I saw that myself in Crete, like almost like we'd almost call them like latchkey dogs, I guess. Um, uh, and how, yeah, all of that, all of those things, different like nuances within the relationships. So maybe you can talk a, li a little bit about that, um, Sindor, about 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 how you define what a streetie is, you know? Yeah. I think uh, what's important for us to understand, and and again, this is very controversial, but it, it starts right at the beginning at, you know, when did they become dogs and what was uh, kind of the situation at that time? We'd love to think of... So I, I don't think there is uh, too much debate about the fact that uh, dogs were one of the maybe the first animal to be domesticated, but be domesticated is contentious because did we intentionally domesticate them or did they actually come into our fold of their own accord? And was it, you know, in the 10,000, 20,000 years ago or was it much further back, you know, 100, 130,000 years ago? So these are the kind of current theories out there. Uh, <clears throat> and it, to me, having seen what I see in terms of how free-living dogs live alongside human beings, um, they're just free-living. They're not pet dogs. They're not, you know, there's this, the idea of a pet dog is, again, a form of, I, I, I do refer to this uh, uh, French philosopher Foucault talks about biopower, right? Bringing, bringing you know, living beings uh, under some some form of power, some form of exerting some form of power uh, and that idea kind of extends to dogs as well uh, and you don't see that uh, with again 80% 70 to 80% of the free living dogs out there they're just 
you know, living alongside us. And when we see that, when I see that in India, I, I tell my students this all the time, you know, the hair on my back stands up to think about what we may be witnessing in the villages of India, maybe exactly how dogs first started living alongside us. Mm. And that's probably, you know, we're seeing something as ancient as we possibly can see between humans and, and dogs. Um, so I think uh, this is the reason why I think the words feral and wild just don't make sense. Feral just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, they're not feral. Look at them living besides us. They are quite comfortable. They are, if you see the pictures and videos that I've been uploading, you'll see how friendly they are. They're completely unfazed by human beings. So feral is just... You go call them feral while looking at them playing alongside them. That's just ridiculous. The term wild dog is a technical term. It's a technical term. There are animals that are called wild dogs in India, but they're not Canis familiaris. They're mm -hmm. Quon alpines. And there is another, another species of wild dogs in Africa as well. I forget um, the name, but they're not the same species. And I have seen people trying to study those animals and then try and say, okay, that's this trying to extrapolate that into dog behavior, that would be as strange as looking at, say, coyote behavior or, you know, behavior of jackals and trying to say, okay, dogs behave this way. They're all canids, but they're all different kind of canids. Mm. They're, you know, some are solitary canids, some are, you know, pack animals, some are group animals. Dogs are group animals. They're neither pack nor solitary. They're very, very fluid. That's kind of their hallmark right as they're extremely plastic in their behavior this this extraordinary even social behaviors uh, in this extraordinary plasticity there uh, so i think the term wild dog or use of studies on wild dogs bringing that into the dogs is not at all right free living dogs is technically correct but it is not sufficient to explain them because again due to the behavioral plasticity that we see different dogs in different living conditions, different free living conditions. For instance, uh, dogs that live in countries where they are persecuted. Uh, so free living dogs, maybe in parts of Europe and things like that are going to have very different behavior than dogs that live in countries and cities like my city, for instance, where they are accepted and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of protection for them. You see extremely different behaviors. Similarly, we see very different behaviors with dogs um, on farms, free-living dogs on farms here versus those on beaches, in mountains. Uh, and so I think the term streety is what I use to refer to free-living dogs in largely urban settings, in countries where their people are comfortable with it. Uh, and I think that is kind of a closish representation of the natural um, life that they would have led a long time ago. So if you're trying to learn about them and draw parallels, on how they manage to fit into the human world, those dogs are probably the best to look at. Uh, so those are streeties. And when I use the word streeties, you can see that it's a term of endearment. So yeah. it, I can also bring in kind of my reflexivity into it to say that, you know, there's an angle I bring in here. I'm not being a biased and scientist. I am, I am advocating for them. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm seeing a bit of... Uh of of that in uh, we've got some foxes that are living just just in the woods yeah. out the back of our house at the moment and they've been incredibly active they are bold as brass they are out they're about when i when i go out for a little stroll in the evening with my little jack russell they're all over the place i'll see them everywhere they're going and they're getting braver and braver and i feel you talk about that hair standing up on the back of your neck 
I had mm. that kind of realization the other night when I'm like, oh, we're at, you know, this is actually it happening. You know, this is yeah. this is what we're seeing. They are coexisting in our, yeah. you know, in and around, benefiting from being around us. And yeah, you wonder, don't you, like how how many more years or how many more, you know, before before we start to see even more interactions with these animals. Yeah, yeah. So Belayev's foxes does give you an idea, right? Because mm. they have done this, where they've done this experiment, but done it very kind of, you know, in a very rapid way. Mm. But yes, I've been reading about foxes in, in the UK and foxes on elevators and things like that. And yeah. I was thinking to myself, oh my God, these are going to be the streeties of the UK. Okay. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Just just how how brave they are. Um this one just comes strolling up to me and my my, my little Jack Russell would normally like bah, bah, like show when she sees one, but one just comes strolling up to us the other night. So I walked up pretty close, just turned and then walked away. She didn't know what to do. She was like, What's going on here? Like, you know, it's, yeah. I saw one playing with a cat as well. I yeah. mean like yeah. literally playing, like jumping around, bouncing about, yeah. you know, um, it was absolutely yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Just think about it, right? So um, recently I was in another farmland, just there's nothing for miles that I could see. And then two dogs, uh, somewhere they heard us, they came running. Um, they don't know me. I've just, I was just, you know, visiting and I didn't, I didn't have too much time. So I just turned around and started walking away and I See, I feel a little wet something on my hand. This one's come from behind and goes boop on my hand. And, <laughs> and I, I was just thinking, there isn't, there aren't too many animals in the world where they will actually come see a human being. This is particularly towards human beings. Most animals learnt. You see human, you run. Yeah, right That's away. how you mm -hmm. stay alive. Mm -hmm. Dogs are the only animals who say, you see human, go boop their hand. <laughs> and turn around and look at them. Like, I, it's just I was with my friend and I was like, you know, sh she goes on these wildlife tours a lot and things like that. And I said, hey, any animal, any animal, do you see this? I mean, we see peacocks and mongooses here. No, no animal is going to look at a human and say, let's go towards them yeah. and touch them. Uh, so I think dogs are very special in that sense. And yeah, I'm just extremely fascinated by them. <laughs> yeah, they they are. They are really special. I do have. A family of robins here who know me as the mealworm lady. So they're <laughs> and I, I don't know that it's the wheelbarrow. When I pick up my wheelbarrow, they're suddenly all there. Like, what are you going to do? Where's the worms? <laughs> yeah, animals are fascinating. They are. They are. I think that's an absolutely wonderful note to um, to leave it on. Thank you so so much for your time. Obviously, yeah, thank you. We we haven't talked about the the Dog X conference. We're absolutely excited and thrilled that um, that you have agreed to participate in it. Um, I hope you're excited. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Have you? Um, did, did you want to talk a little bit about where people can find you? Where people can learn a little bit more? We'll stick all of the links up in the notes and everything like that. But if you wanted to 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 talk about um, more of what about what you would do, that would be a nice time. Yeah. Yeah, I think the best place to start with what I do is my book. <laughs> you've, you've spoken about it. Mm. I think that's a great starting point because it gives you an idea of what, you know, what it is that I'm talking about here and my worldview. Uh, um, com is our website. Uh, we offer a, a foundation course uh, that's completely online. 
just to introduce people to the idea of what we do it's a non training approach but at the same time it's not like our dogs are running wild eating us and you know everybody <laughs> around so how do we manage dogs without training um and uh we do there are a lot of courses that talk about reading behavior and reading signals but again like we have discussed here i have a slightly different take on it i do want people to get into some depth of it and bring in the emotional aspect of it and we have recently launched a free club called the ponder club uh so you can see a link to that on our website ponder it's club. a completely free club you can join it and we are uh, graduate students kind of run conversations around because this, this is all about conversations we need more conversations we need to talk more it's not about what's in a textbook it's not about step 1 2 and 3 it's about those lovely messy conversations <laughs> that's what we do <laughs> i love that ponder club what a great name great yeah, i like that <laughs> i like that a lot thank you has it, has it got very dark where you are at the minute at the moment over there yep yep it's 702 and it's gotten quite dark did i did i also <laughs> wow. hear very faintly in the background did i hear some peacocks earlier on uh yeah they around this time they do start uh, ah, calling out go. to each other <laughs> well thank you thank you so so much um i uh, hope you have a lovely evening um and we'll catch up with you soon at the well in october um yeah. for the dog x and we'll let you know when the podcast comes out so uh you can you can shout about it if you want thank you so much thank you, uh, thank you so much it was a pleasure much. talking to oh, you yeah it's it. really nice really good <laughs> thank, thank you. you all right speak to you soon Take thank care, you so much bye 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 whoa i love that Uh, I will say I've said it before we'll say it again how incredibly privileged are we to be able to speak to such wonderful people with all different views and I love uh, messy conversations yes I'm, yeah. I am in yeah. I am in yeah. more you know messy that conversations got, that got me thinking as well like that's why facebook can be so difficult sometimes because it is so reductive because you're not actually being able to you know just think out loud yeah yeah i i, I need to re-listen to that i need to sort my life out <laughs> no but you know what like i mean our, our, our last two guests have been like therapy for us yeah Are we Are we at couples therapy? <laughs> we are couples yeah we we've we've developed our own couples therapy because we are yeah. we are we are podcast husband and wife. We are <laughs> in we therapy. Are. Join us. Join us for more therapy next time on Barks from the Yeah. It's uh <laughs> it's wonderful isn't it? And um I I think that humility I when when uh Sindor talked about that I was like yeah you're right. Totally right. We need to be needs to be more humility yeah. and and oh, these gosh, messy conversations so easy to talk to and listen to and yeah what a lovely lovely human brilliant bye right, i can go and die happy now that's fine yeah job yeah. done don't not, not straight away not straight away let's uh yeah let's get a couple more years on under the belt and uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh nat our yep. question sack has been filled again Um, you've been rummaging around in there, have you? I've had a little rummage in our question sack, and I think it's time to empty it. 
God, God I've made myself feel a bit sick now. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of a horrible story. One of my clients today, her dog had a really scary visit to the vet mm. and he, he was on her lap, big dog, and he empties his anal glands all over her. Whoa. He was so scared. Yeah. Oh, bless. And I was, I, it's just one of those things. I'd be like, I would never feel clean again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We can just get a waft of it. You'd be like, oh, it's still on me. It's yeah, you just uh, visions of just in the shower crying, scrub, <laughs> scrubbing do, yourself yeah. for three months with a Brillo pad, just like Aah! oh, good lord, oh dear, yeah. god. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's get that image out of our minds <sighs> by answering some questions. Right, okay, uh, a little break, little break for our question sting. Question, 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 question. There it is. Okay, right. Amazing. So, um, oh, let me just find. I'm not prepared now. I'm unprepared. I need to find. Oh, for goodness' questions. sake! Sorry, sorry. I thought you said you'd 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 been in your sack. I and had. You found them. Oh, I had, I had, I've got them. Right here we go. <clears throat> right. Oh well, two questions. We're going we're going for two questions today, and, okay. and from two people that we know and love. One, okay. One of whom is actually a speaker at the conference as well. So. Let's no way. Way, Natalie Light, way. Um, wow. So um, our very good and awesome friend, Melissa McCoo-McGrath. Uh, oh, no. Um, the American packed contingent. Um, Indeed. Flying the flag over there, doing the good work. Um, we love her. Um, she has We do asked, love her very much. Oh, it's it's unquantifiable. I'm going to... Yes. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. Um so Melissa has asked, what are your favourite new to you ways to keep dogs mentally stimulated? Any fun new games or puzzles? Ooh. Um, can I, can I, if you're thinking, can I go in first? Because of course I, know, you can. I, I know what I'm going to say because it's not a new thing, but I've had a, a rekindled passion for scent work recently because mm-hmm. I went, I went and I did a little course with, um, uh, Jamie for with the UK Sniffer Dogs and uh, I had a wonderful time. It was a two-day course. We took Peaches and Penny. Um, uh, it was brilliant and it's kind of rekindled a bit of a passion. So it's not a new thing, Melissa, but it's something that I've been doing a lot with and sort of like re refinding some passion and, and opening some new doors with it. Um, and it's just adorable watching dogs. I love it. For stuff. And, and it fits... Uh, yeah, scent work fits with all the stuff we've just been talking to Sindor about, really, doesn't mm. it? Standing and watching and not getting involved. Yeah, yeah, and it's so lovely, and it gives you a chance to observe your dog as well, doesn't it? Mm. And Peach mm. absolutely loves it, and you know, not the not the standard, is it, in Newfoundland for for you know, scent, well, I say not the standard. She's a dog, but um, but yeah, <laughs> she absolutely adores it. I went a bit cheeky the other day, and I hung. So she's searching for Kong pieces of Kong. Um, and I hung, I've got a great photo, I'll try and remember to stick it up. And I hung it on the washing line, you know, because oh, I've been doing like a hard You've gone vertical, right, yeah. And, um, and yeah, she found it and she's head up, like indicating on it. It's the cutest picture. So cute. It really is. So, yeah, so cute. That's my one. A rekindled passion for um, for scent work that's keeping Sniffy, sniffs, sniffs. Helping well, mental stimulation. <sighs> Yeah, mine's kind of along the same lines, really. I um, I mean, first of all, this isn't new either, but you can't go wrong with a cardboard box. Oh, yeah. 
Drax, my wolfhound, loves a cardboard box and he rips it up and he throws it and he throws it in the air and catches it. And yeah, it's a bit calamitous, but he has a brilliant time. Um, But with Bob, something that I've done more with her that I haven't maybe done with my other dogs, so we can count that as new, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Is uh, like public access work. So urban walks and shops. She fucking loves it and it really tires her out because it's so much, you know, it wouldn't be right for all dogs because it might be sensory overload. But, um, you know, 10, 10, 15 minutes around pets at home and then she'll have like an hour's snooze. (laughs) There's just so so many stories for her to sniff and, you know, different species. I keep her away from the middle bit with the rabbits and the hamsters because I don't think that's fair on them. But, um, uh, yeah, and we've got Whiteley nearby, so they're just a different type of walk. I mean, don't get me wrong, my favourite walks are always going to be let's go for miles, you know, in the countryside. Yeah. But um, I I take her on my errands a lot, yeah. just so she gets to come and watch, and you know, um, even if she gets out for five minutes and has some new sniffs. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, no, I like that. <laughs> I like that, and yeah, it's cute going out on little errands, isn't it? It's adorable. Yeah. Love that. It is adorable. If yeah. they want to, I love, I love the idea. You know, you know, they don't have, don't want, to, don't have to come. No, oh God, fun. yeah, it would, yeah, it it wouldn't suit everyone. She just really likes people and dogs and those kind of places. Don't scare her. So, um, as long as she's enjoying it, I'll keep offering it to her. Fabulous. Well, thank you, Melissa, for your question. Thanks, Melissa. Next, we have Big G. Big G himself. Oh. Greggy Big Guns. He's back on the scene. He's already having a gif off with Melissa on the on Amazing. the post. Amazing. Uh, which is oh, I heard your wife see. met Greggy Greg 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 in the real life. At yeah, Crufts. in the flesh. Yes. Um. Yeah, at Crufts. I was gutted that I wasn't there that day. Yeah, I know. Um, I wasn't there either. Um. But you know, I don't know if Greg's coming to the conference. Greg, are you coming to the conference? Greg, come to the conference. You must Greg, book your tickets. <laughs> we won't have it any other way. Um, that's quite that's very targeted marketing I think Karen will be proud of us targeted <laughs> marketing yeah um, so Greg has asked has a book helped you with your packed journey more than any other Ooh. with our packed Ooh. journey Ooh, Ooh. with our packed journey okay well that's it actually I didn't I didn't read that when I first read it I, was going, I thought it's like more with your dog training journey but with our specifically oh. with our packed journey Oh God, I'm the, I'm going to go really boring with this one, Greg. I'm really, really sorry, but um, there's a book. I can't remember the name of it. Hang on, hold. I've got me, I've got me Audible here. Let me have a look. Uh, talk about yourself. Talk about yourself. Um, I li- <laughs> I listened to two books that really helped me in terms of marketing. And if I can, own- yeah. So the book that I <laughs> I told you I was going really boring with it. Uh, one uh, is a book by a guy called Donald Miller called Building a Story Brand. Very, like, this is what you should do if you want to be good at marketing type book, but it has really, really helped me. The other one was a very, very good book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Um, or Johan Hari, I guess. Um, and that's all about how you can... I was finding myself... God, you know, when you just get distracted by bloody reels and stuff on your phone and 
Uh, it was oh, yeah. happening. It was happening a lot yeah. to me, and it was frustrating me because I had these lists of things I wanted to do, and my attention just was getting lost in other places. Um, and a good friend, another friend of the podcast, has Nichols um, mm-hmm. recommended this book um, about things to do, and I I listened to it on Audible, and I have implemented some of these things, and uh, yeah, it seems to be working. So for my pack journey, without getting too dog centric. Those two books have helped a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I know Greg's in, in the dog business as well. So maybe, maybe they might help you, Greg. Yeah. What about Good you? Good ones. Um, what about me? Well, you can't go wrong with a bit of uh, Reese Van Fleet. Oh, yes. Human half of dog training. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, because obviously we're helping our students with uh, with their clients. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna recommend a book or talk about a book that I haven't actually read yet, but it got good reviews. Um, and it's called I can't remember who it's by, but it's called something like um, being a, a, an ethical leader. So okay. it basically um, it helps you to kind of be. I don't know what the right word is really be a good teacher basically but also kind of um stand up for a movement that you are proud of without um compromising your morals which is tricky isn't it yeah so Mm. uh because yeah I mean I sound like we're gonna try and take over the world we are kind of (laughs) aren't we so um so yeah I, I how about I report back once I've actually read it? Okay, yeah, it's good, good yeah. shout, good shout. And what I I did order as well after speaking to Grisha that um, essentialism. Book. Oh, that. So I'll let you know how we get on. I get on with that as well. Well, there you go, Greg. There's a there's a good a few... question though, Greg. Yeah, great. I've got question. the old uh, brain going there. I have to I have to think about something for a minute. Oh, don't make a habit of it. No, I won't. It's a bit painful. I feel a bit dizzy. <laughs> so, well, there we are then. Um, end of another episode. Nice to be back on the on the bus. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we'll have a few more coming out in the not too distant future. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in the meantime, go back. If you haven't listened to the back catalogue, if you've only just found us, go back. Go back to the days when we were all huddled up in COVID and listen to those episodes. We've got some wonderful, wonderful people. Um, and we've had so man, we've had so many downloads as well. It's been absolutely humbling experience doing a podcast. I wish we could do it more often, but you know, time is oh, it's a valuable commodity, isn't it? Um, it is, but you know, we do, we do what we can, mate. We do what we can, and we enjoy it when we do, and we hope that you all enjoy listening to it. Um, but, but yeah, go back and listen to some old episodes. I wonder if we sound younger. Higher pitched. <laughs> like the haribo advert less sort of like not as much creaking in your joints and stuff yeah um, that's what we're probably definitely <laughs> right probably okay back. shall we right. um shall we disembark we'll play play yes. everyone out with the amazing grant sharkey and his amazing song grow um, who who is also at the conference he played us out last year how novel is that having a little music yeah. act at the end of the conference i mean, you know I've never seen another dog conference do that. That's one I've, reason. I have never seen it. I've also never had wine at the end. I mean, you know, just saying. 
there's lots of USPs. Yeah. Yeah, lots of USPs. I mean, if you if you need any more reasons, then well, you don't need any more reasons, but there'll be there'll be others coming along. All right. Yeah. Love you all. Um, thank you, bookshelvers, for thank you for being a part of it, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Had times collide. Ourselves divide Just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply this ride Has just begun And here at the end of a line that stretches back through all time time guided by a primal desire to simply survive survive you can't keep It grows.